Welcome back to Raw Subconscious Lens. I'm your host, Sherry Michelle. Let's go. Yeah, sounding a little uh, old school there because today I mentioned to FX, I'm so spoiled. I'm used to just being able to record a podcast whenever and wherever I want on my phone and airdrop it to my laptop and post it. So he said, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. So I am. I'm doing one old school today. And uh, I think it's appropriate because I wanted to talk about raw vegan. I wanted to talk about ADHD and depression and um, animal communication, trading, a fantastic book I just read. So let's jump in. First off, raw vegan. Been back on raw seven days, feeling really good. This time was different though. Um, so usually it's like clockwork, you know, the, the third day, once in a while, the second day I'd get the detox headache. And by the fourth day, feeling a little better. By the fifth day, I feel really different, like a much better version of myself. This time I got the detox headache the first day. I don't know what that means yet. I just know it's unusual, very unusual, because I've been going raw for 17 years. I've done this hundreds of times, for better or worse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes several times a week. Um, I think the longest I was thinking today, the longest stretch where I wasn't raw, couldn't have been more than a couple months. Seriously, over the last 17 years. So, um, it's kind of like this big experiment. And um, this time was different. And I also went through, like, I don't know, some really, well, like day three, also, I would always get the blues, but this was like stretching into like day five, and, um, but then there were times when I was really up, and uh, I should mention that like I'm, I've come out of a really deep depression, that started when I was in Hawaii. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that before. And um, in Waikiki, like, guess what? I can get depressed anywhere. <laughs> it was news to me. Um, yeah, so coming out of that, you know, it's been several months. And it really shifted raw for me because apparently that's what it was going to take I was trying to stay raw for, you know, to keep my brain healthy. You know, there's a lot of dementia in my family. There's a lot of um, um, and dementia slash Alzheimer's, a lot of heart disease, a lot of cancer, um, a lot of diabetes. And so, and I'm pre-diabetic, so I was taking my, you know, my numbers down one point at a time, slowly but surely. Um, but I was still going off raw, like so much, but oof, I don't ever want to go through what I've been through in the last couple months. Like that was different. I really thought about my sister, um, the other day because I remembered a time that she came to visit me in Chicago. She had stopped doing drugs. She had, we'd inherited some money from my grandma and she just kind of went off the rails with it. And, um, so yeah, the money had run out. She was done doing drugs. 
um, and she was in a very deep depression. And I had never experienced anything like that at that time. Um, I mean, I, I still haven't experienced that kind of a withdrawal or depression, I suppose, because she was like, she could barely speak. She was practically mute. And I was on a mission to find her. She needed some brown shoes. And to this day, I still think like I never did find like brown shoes she liked, which is crazy because like that wouldn't have solved anything. But also she couldn't even like express really that she liked something like it, it was just a really hard time for her. And she came to class with me. I was at Second City at the time and um, just to watch class and Chris Farley stopped by and that kind of like perked her up. She's like, oh my gosh, but she was too shy to talk to him. Um, but she would talk about it later in later years. But after class, we went across the street to, I didn't talk to him either, by the way. So it's not like I'm, I'm not judging her, uh, as students, I think it was kind of like an unspoken, like, don't approach him, like, be cool, <laughs> which is silly. I regret that now. But um, anyway, after class, we would always go across the street to this bar called The Last Act. And so she went with us and everybody was talking about Halloween, what they were going to do for Halloween and what they were going to wear, where they were going. And I said, I know what you can be, Cindy. You can be a piece of furniture. And she never let me forget like how mean that was like that I embarrassed her in front of my friends and it was it was super super shitty of me um but I just like she was so not herself because she could be really fun and super funny but she just could hardly speak and it was because she was that depressed and um I think that's the right before the Christmas I think that was the fall before the Christmas that her and my dad were both going to commit suicide on Christmas or New Year's Eve but the other one didn't know it or something like they were planning they were both planning but they needed the other one to be out of the house and neither of them would leave it was like they knew they somehow knew that the other one was they both they talked about this later and thank God they didn't, that neither one of them would leave the house. Um, that would have been so horrible. You know, it's horrible enough that they're gone now, um, years apart. But um, today's my sister's birthday, actually. Um, so, yeah, she's really been on my mind lately. And I feel like I do have a much better sense of that kind of depression I mean, I was able to work and I was able to speak and I was able to laugh about some things, but, um, I definitely was not myself. Um, from I'd say mid February when I came back, uh, to a week ago when I went wrong. Um, yeah. So I am interested to see like where this goes in that respect because it's the thing that finally I realize I'm just a weekend but it's very different in my mind now it's uh, when I <laughs> to give you an idea I'm doing DoorDash right now like I'm doing a lot of DoorDash and we'll get to why later but um I'm doing it way up on the North Shore um not in the city where it's like so chaotic and parking is difficult 
I'm in a nice area. It's relaxing. I listen to NDEs and other relaxing things, podcasts and music and stuff. I have a lot of freedom right now and I need it. And um, I'm raw while doing DoorDash. And I had managed that uh, a few weeks ago, I guess, for about maybe a week five days maybe I don't know anyway it's really really hard in the beginning but now the the aromas and everything it just smells like um sickness and depression to me like this just where my brain goes something may smell good um it's funny I'm not a huge like meat eater but I, I obviously I'm raw vegan right now but I've never been a huge meat eater, uh, but Wingstop is like the most aromatic place I have been to. Um, and even that smells, I just associate it with sickness and depression. So I should be grateful for that, right? Finally, um, it's, it's sinking in, it's sticking. Um, so yeah seven days raw. I felt it was time definitely way overdue for uh, a regular podcast for me um, like this. Uh, very um, unprocessed <laughs> raw podcast. Um, so I also ended my animal communication practice. I did that the day before yesterday. Took down the homepage. I just reached a point where I had to admit I'm not wired for dealing with a lot of really heavy emotions and fear um, from clients. Uh, no matter how many tools you give some people, they're just in a place where they're just devastated and I understand that because I mean these are their children their cats their dogs their horses these are their babies and um, I totally understand that I respect that I remember what it was like to lose Kylie I mean I screamed I screamed so loud in the car like I couldn't believe it I was so shocked and it was so devastating um and not that it would be easy now at all. It's, you know, when something happens to Jebby, it's not going to be easy. But my mind is in a completely different place with all of that now. Whereas my clients usually were not in that place. Like we're all on our own journey. We're all going at our own pace. And not that I'm ahead of anyone or behind anyone. It's not like that. I mean, time is not linear. We know that. I just... Um, finally had to admit that I couldn't handle being texted and messaged and emailed like 50, 70 times a day. Like I don't have someone, uh, like Nikki has her husband, my, 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 um, teacher, her husband does all of her grief counseling and she has an assistant to handle like social media and probably set her appointments for her. And for me, it was just me and um, 
not that I'm a victim here at all, but I didn't want, it wasn't going towards more freedom. It was going towards less and less and less freedom. And the emotions that I was dealing with from clients were getting heavier and heavier. I don't know why that is. I guess because I was supposed to give it up. Because when I consulted uh, the dousing rods, Gabe reminded me the other day, you know, when I asked if, he said, when you asked, is it in my best interest to continue doing this work? They said no. And when you asked, is it in my best interest to continue doing this work at all? They said no. Um, and so I'm glad he reminded me of that. And and I imagine this is why, because I'm not wired for it. And maybe I just needed this year-long detour, experience, adventure um, to develop spiritually more. Um, I don't know. There were lots of great experiences in it. I just know I can't keep moving in that direction. And um, there are people that are better suited for the work than I that I am. Uh, and I knew, I talked with Nikki about, well, I'm going to have to charge for the grief counseling because I've been doing all of that for free. And it's, it's, it's too draining. And I don't do well with all of that fear energy. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do grief counseling. I said to Gabe, he's a therapist, you know, like, I don't want to do grief counseling. Like, I have some great tools that I've used with people, given them great tools that have really helped them. But I have no interest in doing more of that work. And so, um, and then, you know, hiring an assistant, I just wasn't in a place for that either. I didn't see how it was going to take me in a direction that felt better. I don't think I'm mistaken. I don't think I'm going to look back and regret this. Never say never, but um, it was just time to simplify my life even more. And, um, you know, for the first few weeks of DoorDash, it was like really hard on my self-esteem. Not quite as hard as scrubbing toilets, working as a housekeeper at the hostel was, but um, still it's like, oh my God, I'm 52. Like, why is this my life? Well, because of my choices, obviously. <laughs> but also, I have to look at the bright side. It's It keeps things very simple. I work when I want. Um, I don't have a lot of contact with people right now. Um, it's very brief, very pleasant. Um, it's just what I need right now. I needed freedom, big time. Um and I started trading again and trading in the simulator um, until I uh, fund my brokerage account again. And um, you might remember I transferred my brokerage account funds to my checking account when I went through debit card fraud when I was in New Mexico on the road. So I haven't refunded that account yet, uh, but I did decide to start trading in the sim again and just get in the groove again with that and review the course again and um, just get good at that. Um, there are things while I'm reviewing that I'm catching that I didn't catch before that'll, that'll make it go even better this time. So, and actually, uh, Terry Ijeoma said, I think she said more than once in there that, um, she really recommends trading in the sim for a year before trading live, which I did not do that before. I couldn't wait to start. And I really crammed and studied hard so that I could start as fast as possible. Um, I think I went through the course in two weeks. 
um, while I was on the road, you might remember, in Maine and in Quebec. Um, so glad to be reviewing it, glad to be getting the hang of it, um, catching mistakes, just keeping track better of these trades now. And um, I just feel like I have to be understanding with myself. Um, it's okay to want to simplify and to do work that gives me freedom to see the people that I care about, to see new places. Um, yeah, so I have two sits, actually three now as of today. Um, I'm not actively pursuing these, but um, they just kind of came to me. So two are for friends, one's for family. So May, June, July, August, I have sits and um, two of them are away and one of them is in our neighborhood. So that'll be good. And uh, I wanted to tell you about Vincent Todd Tolman. Look him up on YouTube. There are a number of interviews with him. Uh, I got his book on Amazon after hearing his interview with Timothy Schultz on his podcast. And I've since listened to a couple other interviews with him. <laughs> if you never read any other book I talk about, no problem. But check this one out. At least check the interviews out. Um, really, I think you get most of it out of the interviews. Um, but the book is very good. It's an easy one-day read, but life-changing. So I've listened to, I'm sure, well over 100 NDEs since I was a teenager. I started reading about them, and then eventually, you know, and you know, you get to see something on TV once in a great while, like on some show like In Search Of, which I loved. Um, but then, of course, as we got older and uh, social media came into the scene we were able to then listen to them on YouTube and of course I read lots of books about NDEs and um anyway I have my <laughs> this is so weird like I have my favorites um probably like top five but this is my new absolute favorite I I think it is the most profound NDE I've ever heard and I've heard some really great ones but this is so thorough um, yeah, so his name is Vinny or Vincent Todd Tolman, and he was dead for at least 45 minutes from the 911 call where the ambulance came to get his friend to when they came to get him. There were 45 minutes in between, but it was probably closer to an hour that he was dead. Um, they both, uh, they had taken a supplement um, that was from Thailand and uh, thinking it was the same potency as what they were taking here in the States. They were bodybuilders. And it was 20 times stronger. And they both became violently ill and he fell on his back in the men's room in a Dairy Queen uh, and hit his head and immediately started aspirating and died. His friend threw up in a booth uh, and this staff saw it right away, called 911, he had his stomach pumped at the hospital, and he was fine, and he was released the next day, but Vinny was in the men's room with the door locked, 
And so they didn't even know until a customer complained that he couldn't get in there and said, I think somebody's in trouble in there because I can hear a phone ringing. And uh, he was already dead when they found him. So he was in a zipped up body bag uh, on his way to the morgue when um, everything changed. And he was watching the whole thing. He, it's so interesting because he was in film. He had worked in film and had lived all over the place. He was 25 years old. And um, this was 20 years ago. And uh, so he said, I kept wondering why the DP, because he was watching all this happen. Why is the DP shooting all of this from above? And he didn't even realize that it was him that was dead. He just was like, wow, that guy's dead. You know, and it looked really really bad. The neck was wider than his head. Um, but he hadn't made the connection that it was himself. And he, some of these interviews are, you know, they're like hour and a half long. So he has so many incredible details, such fascinating things he saw on the other side. And like I said, I mean, I've, I've listened to and read tons of these. So I'm really psyched that I could be like this surprised and dazzled by the things that um, this guide showed him and the things he experienced and learned. And uh, it's just really, it's not just beautiful. Like it's, it's, it's life changing. It's mind boggling. Some of it, it's, you got to check it out. Highly, highly recommend it. And uh, his books on Amazon, what's it called? I don't know, just look up his name, Vincent Todd Tolman, and the author's name is Lynn something. But anyway, they wrote it together. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to share that with you. Things are going pretty well now that I'm raw again. Um, I was able to pull myself out of that depression. I had decided to try Concerta, um, an ADHD med after listening to um, Peter Schenkman from Faster Than Normal uh, talk with different uh, people he interviewed about meds and stuff, I thought, well, I haven't tried meds in over 20 years. Maybe I'll try them again. But you know what's interesting? And this is a great example of everything happens for us, not to us. I was denied. My insurance denied it. And they haven't sent a letter my doctor hasn't sent any information. The nurse that usually, you know, texts with me through the Northwestern app hasn't said anything. Like nobody knows why I was denied. I'm just going to roll with it. It's, I assume it's because that's not the route I'm supposed to go, that this is the route I'm supposed to go. And raw vegan has always been the best way for me to manage my ADHD, but I'm going to go all the way with this. Um, and I'm, I've been pretty good about sticking to 80-10-10, but uh, it's been a little higher fat the last two days um, because I did some like some Brad's raw crackers um, while I was out instead of like packing my stuff. I have found, I will say, that doing DoorDash, because your body reacts to aromas, um, and I, you know, keep the windows open and stuff while I'm driving. So it's not like I'm not marinating in these, these scents of burgers and stuff. It's kind of going out the window a little. Um, but still, your body reacts to that. And so I found that I have to have a little more fat during the day instead of having my, my fat at night. 
also the other day I had, um, I've just perfected this tomato basil soup that just like tweaking it, um, over the years. And, uh, so if I split that recipe in half, I can have half for dinner. And then I took half for lunch the next day. And that was perfect because it gave me a little bit of fat during the day when I started to get hungry because of the things I was smelling. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm noticing that's the stuff I need to pack for my lunch. And I would much rather pack it than stop at Whole Foods and try to get a few things that they have. Like when you get to that state, you want like some crackers um, instead of like fruit. And, you know, so it's like, I got to be careful. I got to plan ahead, which has always been the name of the game with, with raw. You've got to plan ahead. You've got to be armed. And, uh you know, prepared for any situation really. So getting better at that. I will say, um, I can tell I'm getting a little better at it because God, after 17 years, I should be, but it's like, you're starting over every single time. Um, I now have dates and like a quarter cup of cashews. I always have them soak soaking like a batch of them soaking in the fridge um, so that they're ready to make a dressing or a smoothie um, that I have my stuff already soaked and ready to go at all times. So that's, <laughs> it sounds like a silly little thing, but that's been huge, actually, to just always have that right there and not have to, like, text Gabe and be like, oh, you know what, could you soak some dates for me or could you soak some cashews? So progress, baby steps. I'm definitely feeling a lot better. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm also um, hyper aware of like anger lately and like feeling critical and feeling criticized and just like, I don't know, I feel like that's a magnifying glass is on that right now. Um, and that's, interestingly enough, there's a really interesting section on that in these interviews with Vincent Todd Tolman that really shifted my perspective. Um, mm. He gets to enter an orb at one point and, um, and see what's going on in that particular orb, the, the frequency of that orb. And it's two people that totally unaware of each other, but they are preventing themselves from crossing over because they feel like such a victim and they're just going off each of them to a a child of theirs about how they betrayed them and they let them down and blah 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 and and um the one guy had been there like on earth years like a hundred years practically so he finally let go of that and then two angels were like right there to take him over but it was the victimhood that was keeping him stuck there for so long. I just thought that was so interesting. Um, so yeah, I've been like disappointed with some things lately. Um, but then I catch myself and I'm like, why am I being so critical? Like yesterday I went to an iridology appointment. I'd never been before. And I kind of thought it was going to be like when I went to the thermography appointment. Um, I've, I've been to a couple of those over the last few years to see inflammation in the body with infrared photography. That was really interesting. While iridology is not like that, it, I think it really depends on the 
the practitioner that you go to. And I'm not going to be negative about this woman. She did the best she could where she is right now. I think she's fairly new at it. Um, I really just wanted the photos. I figured if nothing else, I can, um, piece together a lot of information from, from the things I've studied to, uh, you know, figure some things out myself. I was going more, uh, for the health aspect to see where things showed up, what things showed up in my irises. Um, you know, like having my gallbladder taken out or diabetes, inflammation, um, you know, my brain, and those things are in there, but she kept using such technical jargon and I had to try to keep all of that straight in my head. Luckily I recorded it, but still like it just wasn't, the whole session was not very user friendly. And there's this whole part of iridology that's like, it's not just you, it's, it's six generations back of your family. Like you may not have had this and your mother may not have, but her mother had it. And it's like, I feel like I've had one foot in outer space for the last year with animal communication. Like so many, so many um, bizarre things have been presented to me. Um, the last being cat portals. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, that I just need some science. <laughs> So I don't know what I was doing at an iridologist. I thought it would be interesting to have a picture taken now and then have a picture taken a year from now um, and see how my iris has changed with being raw for a year. Um, that is really why I went. So hopefully she'll get these pictures to me and I'll have that. Um, you've probably heard of a number of raw foodists irises changing quite a bit. I'm not expecting to like change my eye color or anything like that, but like uh, fully raw Christina, her eyes went from brown to blue, um, which is fascinating, like incredible. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff on TikTok about iridology, some on YouTube. Um, it's interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, I didn't have the experience I was hoping for, but that's okay roll with it and um, and just accept everyone where they are including myself so that's what I've got for you and I'm glad that you spent this time with me and I know you could have done a lot of other things with this time but I appreciate you listening and carpe diem <laughs>